This is John Gramstrand, and I'm a certified energy specialist for CHS Ag Services in Stephen, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Cooden. We'll have updates from Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. USDA will be releasing the February supply demand tables tomorrow. Ag Resource Company President Dan Bossi says traders are going to be focused on those Argentine numbers. It's really not so much about the U.S. supply demand balance, but what is the USDA going to do with Argentina? Argentine crop sizes heading in the heading into the next uh, report. So, you know, as you think about it, uh, Argentina did not have the kind of weather that they would have liked, so we're looking for some adjustments to the downside. One to two million tons in corn, maybe two to three million tons in beans. That seems to be the average estimate here uh, for that report. We'll also get updated numbers from Brazil and Canada this week. Yes, Datscan comes out with their stocks numbers. Take a look at those. And then Conab is out Wednesday morning. That's the Brazilian USDA equivalent. They'll be estimating their Brazilian corn and soybean crops. We got a lot of reports coming out this week. Uh, we'll see. Let's get through them. And I do believe it's the uh, U.S. dollar and whether or not we pull any new fund money back into markets to see whether we can rally into late week. Grain markets put in a choppy trading day yesterday. Ever Ag market analyst Cole Adams says Kansas City wheat was the market leader. Um, same thing. They're kind of they're kind of piggybacking off of beans alike, and. Uh, you know, every, obviously everything that continues to happen between Russia and Ukraine is going to have both corn and wheat specifically enticed into that market. So we're getting a little bit of uh, moisture throughout, obviously, the U.S., so that's kind of helping our stocks as well. Corn market, those struggled. Can't really find its footing, can't seem to break above the 680, 87 type of number. Um, you know, so harvest has started in in Brazil haven't really heard much as far as yield amounts but nonetheless they're still expected to grow a good crop. Moving into the balance of the year advanced trading risk management advisor Tommy Grisafi remains cautiously optimistic. I'd rather be forward sold this year and owning calls than uh, uh, than having a put you know if you, if you like insurance buy insurance buy the best crop insurance you can buy the best option insurance you can if you don't I, I, I'm confident that store and ignore won't work like it did in other years. In the latest edition of the bullpen on the Red River Farm Network YouTube channel, Grisafi also voiced concerns about the price of money. You know, when you're dealing with higher interest rates, it's like walking uphill at, at, at quite an incline. So be very cautious with your money. Take your bushels, take that grain, turn it into cash, take that money, pay off operating, and put that money in a CD. If you're so blessed to have extra money, Go make 5%. Don't go watch the price of grains break 15%. That's my concern. The Brazilian consulting firm Ag Rural is estimating 9% of Brazil's soybean crop has been harvested. That's up from 5% last week, but down from 16% a year ago. Harvesting has been delayed in the states of Paraná and Mato Grosso do Sul because planting took place later than normal. The Minnesota Senate Agriculture Committee has approved legislation to legalize marijuana. It was done on a party-line vote. Assistant Majority Leader Aaron Murphy spoke on behalf of the bill. This proposal creates a new market in Minnesota, one that gives preference to Minnesotans, to their well-being, and to their interests as businesses, as consumers, and as farmers. The bill creates a new state agency to regulate marijuana in the state. State Senator Tory Westrom 
said he was shocked by that language. We don't have an agency on corn and then another agency on soybeans and another agency on potatoes and then uh, throw in cattle, an agency on cattle. It seems like uh, this would be a lot of growth and size of government, uh, Chair Senator Murphy, uh, just just for one one crop, do we really need a full agency versus housing it under the Department of Ag? The bill is being heard at the committee level in both chambers in the Minnesota legislature. The Sydney, Montana sugar beet plant will close this spring. Sydney Sugars is a wholly owned subsidiary of American Crystal Sugar Company. That decision was made due to the decline in contracted sugar beet acres in that Sydney, Montana area. The trade group supported by candy makers and sweetener users are seeking reform to U.S. sugar policy. The Alliance for Fair Sugar Policy sent a letter to Senate Agriculture Committee Chair Debbie Stabenow and Ranking Member John Bozeman saying it wants a fairer and simpler sugar program. This could be considered the opening volley against the sugar program in the upcoming Farm Bill debate. Reporting agriculture's business, this is the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The North Dakota House Agriculture Committee has been busy. Committee Chair Paul Thomas says they've had to bring in extra chairs for certain bill hearings. One such bill looks at the structure of the soybean checkoff. So we had a... Uh a bill hearing on changing the kind of the state's oversight of the North Dakota Soybean Council. There was a bill in because of the the makeup of the Soybean Council checkoff being a little bit unique to most checkoffs in North Dakota. The Soybean Council checkoff is a federally collected tax collection versus most commodities in North Dakota. It's a state collected checkoff collection. Thomas says this bill would restructure audit processes. The North Coast Soybean Council was exploring the option of kind of removing some of the state uh, provisions for audits and purchasing through OMB and having their employees be state employees since their checkoff is quite a bit different. And then we've had discussions from uh, the Corn Council and corn growers about um, uh, looking into ways to separate the checkoff money between the two different organizations. Farmers may not be in the field this time of year, but they are still putting in the work. By talking to lawmakers and government officials, Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. The North Dakota Grain Growers Association will head to D.C. later this month. NDGGA President Ed Kessel says that the Phase 2 ERP rollout will be a focus of conversation while they are there. It's been a little while since we've been out there and we, we wanted to get back. Concern is is where you have to submit a Schedule F and uh, even in some of the, the payment limitations in uh, Phase 1 there where producers are offering to prove financial data out there to, to qualify for these seems a little bit overreach for us uh you know every every farmer out there is, is an independent business and and we're all farmers but we're all you know we got our our privacy is important to us too that's the main focus on on that just so the future that that doesn't become a precedent on farm programs Kessel also said they'll be working to plan their e-tours that will take place this summer. The tour provides EPA officials the chance to see pesticide practices firsthand with farmers in North Dakota. EPA employees, we brought them out from Washington, D.C. and uh, Region 8 out of Denver. And those are the folks who are in Office of Pesticide Policy. And they're the ones who are, are help writing the, the labels and interpreting the labels on there. So 
Um, we want to showcase how we are using pesticides in North Dakota and how we uh, apply them and the technology that we have to apply these pesticides. There's, you know, those folks that are making these labels, if they don't have, you know, factual or, or on-hand data, they kind of make, they have to make assumptions. And, and when they assume, they, they assume uh, on the strictest policy side of it. Reporting agriculture's business on the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. Senate Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee Chair Tammy Baldwin and a bipartisan group of senators are asking USDA to address highly pathogenic avian influenza. The lawmakers want the Agriculture Department to distribute funds from the 2023 Agriculture Appropriations Bill on a timely basis. Baldwin said the avian influenza has contributed to high egg prices. USDA Deputy Secretary Jewel Bronaw spoke on a wide variety of topics when she addressed the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, including topics of foreign animal disease, international trade, and conservation. By expanding access to markets, we can create competition. It plays a critical role in limiting some of the supply chain risks that I know so many of you all have had to deal with that we faced in the last few years with the pandemic, uh, from events like Russia's war in Ukraine. But we also recognize that we have such great opportunities to develop local and regional food systems that can build an economy that reinvests in communities that provide our food, our fuel, our fiber, and our feed. Brona says by expanding packer processing capacity, the market will remain competitive Bruna is in her final days on the job after announcing she will be stepping down to spend more time with family. Well, Tyson Foods reporting quarterly profits of $316 million. That's down from $1.1 billion a year ago. Company's largest year-over-year decline in quarterly net income since 2009. Reporting Agriculture's Business, this is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Due to alleged violations of the USDA Packers and Stockyards Act, Miller Livestock at Mena, South Dakota, has been suspended from operation for five years. An investigation by USDA found Miller Livestock failed to pay for livestock, livestock transactions totaling $548,000 from June to November of 2021. A total of $368,000 remains unpaid. Technology in the beef industry was showcased at last week's NCBA trade show. Red River Farm Network Farm Broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. Performance Livestock Analytics Area Growth Manager Emma Kaufman says Performance Beef is a program directed at everyday cattle producers that allows them to simplify feeding, performance, and health data recording all in one program. It's a fully automated feeding and managing tracking system, so it allows the producer to really have clear transparency of what's going on in their operation, whether it's up-to-date closeout and invoicing reports, whether it's animal health data, especially right now with high feed prices, it can calculate and track not only what your ration needs to be based off of what you and your nutritionist enter in, but it also allows you the flexibility to adjust that pricing as your tickets come in. The program based off of what was fed and mixed, it calculates everything for me. So all of my closeouts, yardage sheets, and invoicing is all up to date. Kaufman says with high feed prices, livestock producers need to be watching their input and feed rations closer. 
And the nice thing about this is you're tracking that feed, you're tracking that, the pounds. So this system will Bluetooth track every single pound of ingredients that you mix for your ration. It tracks every pound of ingredients that gets fed out. So your closeouts are always up to date. Your break-evens are always accurate as long as you keep up with that data and that management. And the really good thing about that is for cattle producers, if you're missing 10, 20 pounds, that may not seem like a lot, but if you're doing that over a 90-day period, with the way corn's priced right now, that's a lot of money. And so it's really important for us, for producers, to have an, an, a program that they can use and customize, but also that's flexible for them. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Checking markets, Minneapolis wheat as we speak. The March contract two and three quarter higher at 9.20 and a quarter, July two and a half higher. Chicago wheat for March down one and three quarters, while KC wheat two and three quarter cents higher for March. March corn down one and a quarter, 6.77 and three quarters. New crop down one and three quarters. For soybeans, March, the contract at 15.28, six and three quarter higher. New crop beans, a three cent gain. Again, keep in mind, we have that uh, USDA uh, supply demand report coming out tomorrow. On the farm calendar, American Crystal Sugar Company has its grower seminar going on today in uh, Grand Forks at the Alera Center. They start at 8.30 this morning. Uh, that uh, seminar will be in Grafton tomorrow. Countryside Insurance has a farmer update meeting this morning at 9. That's taking place at the Reynolds KC Hall, Reynolds, North Dakota. Also on the farm calendar, the best of the best in wheat and soybean research going on tomorrow in Grand Forks and on Thursday at the Courtyard by Marriott in Moorhead. Again, a wide variety of research topics being addressed at those sessions. Have yourself a great Tuesday. This is the Red River Farm Network.